are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday, March 25th, 2022, and this is Locked On Mariners. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. I am your host, Tidy Gonzalez. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Colby Patnode. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon, where we talk about the Mariners even more and also get into some non-baseball talk twice a week. Visit patreon.com forward slash control zone for more information on that if you are interested and on today's episode of Locked On Mariners, Logan Gilbert made his Cactus League debut yesterday. We'll tell you what we liked about his start against the Guardians. Then sticking with the starting pitching, it looks like the competition for the Mariners number five starter has been whittled down to two names. I'll tell you who we prefer out of that pair. And finally, how expansive is Abraham Toro's role going to be on the 2022 Mariners? We'll be breaking that down. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, give us a follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this. We greatly appreciate it. So Logan Gilbert, as I mentioned, making his Cactus League debut yesterday against the Guardians. Colby, what did you like from his start? Uh, Yeah, he looked uh, really good. Uh, Fastball was already 97-98. Um, he was able to spot it at the top of the zone. He got plenty of swings and misses on it. Um, but you know, that's what we saw from Logan Gilbert last year. And what we saw from Logan Gilbert last year, uh, was pretty good, but not a guy who was going to, uh, pitch near the top of a rotation, at least not without some changes. Uh, but yesterday he went out there and we saw some of the changes. He had a, a sharp slider, um, Looked almost like a cutter at times. Uh, it was a little bit firmer than it was last year. Um, the radar readings were 89 to 91 on the slider, uh, 97, 98 on the fastball. And we even saw a couple of really good changeups, uh, particularly against lefties, which is a, a huge weapon for him. So he kind of had it all working yesterday. He threw plenty of strikes. Um, and he appeared to have better command of the, uh, of the breaking stuff and the off-speed stuff, uh, particularly – from the second inning on, uh, it really looked like he was able to spot those uh, and get plenty of swings and misses. So, you know, the the stuff we saw last year from Logan Gilbert, the good stuff was all still there. The uh, the stuff that we wanted to see improvement on, at least in his first, you know, Cactus League start, we did see improvement on. So uh, it, it was it was pretty exciting. And, and, you know, Mariners Twitter is a buzz right now with with uh, excitement about that that start yesterday and. You know, obvious caveats that it's it's spring training. It doesn't really matter, but uh, he looked good. Yeah, and he looked good against a uh, a lineup that's going to be pretty close uh, to what we think is going to be the opening day lineup for the Guardians as well. Three innings pitch for Gilbert, one earned run on one hit. That hit was a solo shot by Daniel Johnson. Just he got got on that one. Nothing you can really do about it. Six strikeouts, though, for Gilbert. And like you said, using the fastball at the uh, the top of the zone. Breaking stuff wasn't great yesterday at times. You know, he, he wasn't really able to get uh, you know, guys to bite on that stuff. You know, threw it in front of the plate a, a couple times. It, it just, you know, it's still a little inconsistent there. But you know, we've talked about this, right? That the fact that he was able to go toe-to-toe with some really strong offensive teams uh, last September and be able to get by with just 
pretty much the the fastball only working for him. You know, the slider would flash, the changeup would flash at times, but it was never consistently there. It was really the only thing he had working for him was the fastball and his ability to get by to, well, not only get by, I, I should say, but to actually, you know, at times dominate teams with just the fastball. It's incredibly impressive. And just the idea of him adding at least some consistency with a secondary or maybe hopefully a tertiary offering is, I mean, sky's kind of a limit for him, right? Yeah. You know, I, I went back and I watched the start yesterday and in the first inning, yeah, he was bouncing the breaking ball uh, a little bit. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it, it's, it's something we kind of joked about how that's what Logan Gilbert did. He'd throw a fastball by it, then he'd bounce a slider. Um, but again, you, you kind of watch as the game develops, he gets more and more comfortable uh, with those pitches and, and it's, you can see the changes. Like I said, the slider was 89 to 91 last year. His average slider velocity was 83 and a half. Uh, that's, that's a significant, he's throwing that pitch firmer. Like I said, at times it looks more like a cutter. Um, but it was, it was definitely there in the later innings. And then, uh, the changeup was, was pretty good. He's apparently changed up. No pun intended <laughs> his grip on, on the changeup. Uh, he, he's gone to a, a, a different, uh, grip. Uh, at least that's what he's saying. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's, he says it's in an effort to help him control it more because he just threw, when he threw it last year, he just didn't have any idea where it was going, which yeah, <laughs> that, that seems, that's what it looked like. So, uh, if he, if that's a pitch that he can have against lefties, he's going to be very dangerous. And if, if he has the, the fastball, the slider and the changeup all working in one day, they, you know, he, he's a threat to, to throw a no hitter. He's got that he's got that type of stuff when he has all three of his pitches working. Um, curveball, we'll see whether or not he shelves it or or changes it. But like I said, we've already seen changes to his slider and his changeup. Logan Gilbert is a worker, uh, and that's the other thing that bodes well for his future. This guy is is as interested in in learning how to pitch in mechanics and biometrics as there comes. Uh, this mm-hmm. guy is, is very impressive with his prep. Uh, he knows what he wants to do. He knows how he wants to execute. And if these new changes allow him to go out and do that more efficiently, uh, Gilbert might be the best pitcher in the Mariners rotation. And that includes, you know, the the current reigning Cy Young award winner. He's got that upside. And of course, Gilbert, former Stetson pitcher, working with another former Stetson pitcher this offseason, Jacob DeGrom. Good guy to learn from, I would think. I mean, so. his other option was Corey Kluber, which... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty good too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Stet- Stetson uh, is able to pop <laughs> yeah, in some lines. I, I know, man. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I don't know what they got going on down there, but man, they, uh, they're, they're, they're cooking down there. So Quick, what state is Stetson in? I have no clue. <laughs> you want to ask a guess? Um, man. To like North Carolina or something? No, but it is know. in the South. It's Florida. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I, I had a general idea. Yeah. The other, the, uh, now to be fair, the other one that I was going to say was like Vermont. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. No, it's, yeah. I thought you were going to be like, uh, Louisiana or, or, yeah, uh, Georgia. No, you, your cho- first two choices were North Carolina or Vermont. Yep. <laughs> right on, dude. Right on. You got it. 
Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not great with the uh, you know college geography. I'm, I'm more in tune University with the Washington geometry located? of lineups, if you will. <laughs> what were you saying? Where's the University of Washington located? Uh, Washington D.C. Oh, that's correct. Darn. Boom. Oh, I got it. But seriously though, where's Gonzaga mm-hmm. located, Ty? Uh, Mars. And also on the couch right now. Oops. Wow. Wow. You just alienated like 35% of our fan base. I hope you're happy. (laughs) No longer top 50 baseball podcast in the country because of Ty. I hope you're happy. Yep. Yeah. Well, I I had to bring us down a little bit. You know, we're riding too high of a high lately. You know, we we, we were getting a little full of ourselves, you know, just getting big time, too big time, too quickly. You know, I had to bring us down a little bit back down to earth. But uh, all right, we're going to be talking about a couple of pitchers who might be making their way into the Mariners rotation come opening day in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Built Bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, that is. But not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. And it almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Now, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low-calorie, high in protein. So replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. So go to Built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low-cal, high-fiber, low-carb. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And there's so many amazing flavors they have to offer. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate, cookies, and cream. Mmm, just sounds so good. Now, go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order at built.com. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. And just a reminder to check out Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts just like us. So today, John Morosi of MLB Network reporting that the uh, the Mariners' number five starter competition has come down to two names, Justice Sheffield and Matt Brash. Um, so, I mean, for me, personally, it's Brash all day. Sheffield, I, I haven't given up on Sheffield entirely. We have seen Justice Sheffield pitch well, but we know what kind of stuff that, that Brash offers, especially with that slider that is just... Mwah. beautiful do you have any reason to lean sheffield here colby um besides the fact that he's experienced and and you know has a major league track record and you know has actually pitched in the last uh, i don't know year in the big leagues no <laughs> not really uh, I'm with you. I, I haven't given up on Sheffield and he actually looked pretty good yesterday. Um, 
Mm-hmm. For strikes, eh, there were a few sliders he got away with, but he also buried a few on the back foot of a righty, just what you want to see from him. Uh, I think both are going to make the opening day roster, especially with the expanded rosters. I think what you're really likely to see happen is Brash probably gets the start um, and then goes through the lineup once, maybe one and a half times, and then Sheffield comes in just as a way to kind of try and preserve Brash's uh, you know, innings towards the end of the year and also to try and save the bullpen a little bit. Um, I guess it, it really wouldn't surprise me if, if, you know, Sheffield got the opener spot and then Brash came in in relief that, that would also work. So I guess my answer is, is would technically be both of them are going to be the number five starter. If that makes sense combined. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, Brash looked okay in his debut. We should see him again here uh, next week. Um, and Sheffield looked pretty good yesterday in his debut as well. Not not pinpoint command yet, but the slider looked a little bit sharper than it was last year. He was able to bury it on the back foot, and the velocity was in a pretty good pretty good place too. So it was an encouraging outing for Sheffield. Um, you know, I, I think people maybe forget that 2020 uh, Justice Sheffield was pretty darn good. So should have gotten some votes on the uh, AL Rookie absolutely. of the Year conversation. Didn't get a single yeah. one, not even for tenth place. So. Uh, and it was arguably he was better than, than Kyle Lewis. So certainly more consistent. Yeah. Um, yeah Sheffield's a good athlete, man. He, I mean, he's only 25 years old. And again, he was pretty good in 2020. He was bad last year. Yeah. There, nobody's denying that, but he was, you know, pretty good in a similar amount of innings in, in 2020. So I'm not giving up on him either. He's, he's definitely not a, you know, mid rotation guy like we thought, but you know, you know, four or five, gets a lot of ground balls. The sliders should be good enough um, to be a good out pitch for him. So I, I feel like there's a bounce back coming for Sheffield. Um, it's just probably going to be in a different role than we had envisioned a few years ago. So I think they both make the team and, and I think game five, one of them will be starting and the other one will come in and relieve him, you know, after three, four innings. Mm-hmm. And it probably makes sense for Brash to be the guy that starts, right? I mean, I don't think it matters all that much. It's, it's you know, they're lefty righty. They're they're two different arms. Like, yeah, the difference is is pretty steep. But I, I guess you know, it, it kind of depends. You know, like maybe you look at it and you say, okay, like who are we playing for the fifth game of the year? Uh, Chicago, the White Sox. Mm. Okay, White Sox are kind of a right-handed heavy lineup. So let's get Brash out there, you know, in the first couple innings, and then we'll we'll go to. You know, what I mean, like you can look at who you're right. who you're playing and saying, like, okay, do they have a better lineup against lefties or righties, or is there a platoon split I can take advantage of by starting the lefty and, and get this guy in there, and then Sheffield only has to face him once, and then I can bring it back. You know what I mean? Like they can kind of mix and match, mix and match it. Um, yeah. But I I would suspect that they're going to go with she- with uh, with Brash first, and then Sheffield's the reliever. Mm-hmm. And and I think if you're posing both, you know, opposite one another. I think you you just you got to go with Brash, like I was saying. Just the the stuff is ridiculous. You want to see what you have there, you know? Right. And, you also uh, want to try and save something for later in the year. Yeah. And maybe Brash is True. maybe the only way you could have Brash in September is to kind of do this opener thing now, and then maybe I don't know, send him to AAA where you can kind of skip a start here or there, but actually let him go five six innings. And then just bring him up in the, at the end of the year as a reliever. You know what I mean? And it's it's not ideal, but if you're a playoff team or you're trying to be a playoff team, and Matt Brash is one of your best arms, but he's not one of your five best starters, 
you put him in the bullpen. It's not going to kill him to do it for a year. It doesn't mean you've given up on him either. It just, you know, this is what we have to do uh, to maximize our, our pitching. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a little bit of a, a a tight rope act here with guys like Brash and Kirby. Uh, So I'll be interested to see how service and, and, you know, the baseball ops people handle those workloads. Well, and ultimately, you know, you're just trying to survive right now until you can get to a point where you can actually trade for that fifth, you know, for that starter that you were hoping to get before the season started, which from everything we've been told is just, that's not going (laughs) to work out right now. (laughs) If you guys heard uh, some of the prices that we have heard. Oh oh my God. Yeah. 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 They're not. uh, The asking price on, on some guys is astronomical for rentals uh, absolutely ridiculous and uh yeah the mariners are are let's say justified to uh to be doing what they're doing right now i would say just considering what is being asked of them for guys who are you know obviously jerry depoto has talked about adding someone that's equal to robbie ray we're not even talking about guys that are in that that range we're talking about mid-rotation starters at best with an ask of like legitimate talent, Le- not guys that are going to be in your 10 to 15 range of your prospect list. The guys that are closer to five than 10 multiple top 10 guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's rough out there <laughs> right now. Yeah. And uh, I, I would say that there is a pretty good reason why Frankie Montes and Shamanaya have not found homes in general. Yep. Yeah. It's it's yeah. Oakland Oakland is uh in particular having a <laughs> they're 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 having an interesting approach to uh to the situation. Which I don't know. How do you feel about that? Um without getting before, into specifics. Well, more so Oakland's side of things in terms of holding on to Manaya and Montes into the season. I think it's dumb. Um does that limit the 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 return that they're yes. eventually going to get on someone like Manaya who only has a year yes. left? Absolutely, Manaya, because every start Manaya makes for the Oakland is one that he's not making for Kansas City or Minnesota or Seattle or whoever, right? Like, and so every time he he makes a start, the price goes down a little bit, and then what if he gets hurt and you get nothing for him? Like, there's no qualifying offer anymore. Well, I mean, there could be, but um see if they get an international draft thing figured out. But as of right now, you know, there, there's not a qualifying offer. And even if there is, if you're Sean Manaya, like if Oakland's going to slap a $20 million qualifier on you, you're probably going to take it. Oakland's not going to want to pay that. So they'll trade you then. Like they're, they're not in a position to have much leverage with Manaya. Um, and it's, it's only going to get worse because what if like the Mariner, what if Brash is really good and also, Oh, well, I guess we don't need Manaya. And then all of a sudden, well, there's one less bidder for Manaya or, or Montes or whoever. Well, fewer teams interested, price goes down. It's it's really dumb with the one year guys. Montes, I I get kind of, but it's still the same thing. Two years of, of Frankie Montes is better than one year and four months. You know what I mean? So just dumb. Like you're not going anywhere. You're not re-signing either of these guys. We know that. Neither of them are going to be around when you're any good again. We know that. So come back to reality and, and start trying to make trades that that make sense. Because um, you're not you're not getting better before opening day. Like, you know, what I mean, like you're not going to get a better offer than you're going to get before opening day. At least not yeah. on Manaya. 
maybe Montes if he goes out there and he's really, really good, but probably not. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it feels like you're wasting away value shooting just astronomically high and hoping someone is stupid enough to pay that figure. Like it's just, no one's doing that, <laughs> which evidently no one is in fact doing that right now. Shamana is still an A. So is Frankie Montes. And uh, yeah, I, you know, if I'm the A's, trading Manaya right now is at the top of my list. Like you kind of have to do that now because <laughs> like you said, because again, you know, starting pitchers, even though they're so valuable, they only impact your team, you know, individually, especially if you're getting them at the trade deadline for what, 10 games. Uh, like, yeah. At most <laughs> like that isn't worth a lot when we're talking about rentals here. So yeah, I'm not trading a ton for, for 10 games of Shamanaya, 10 starts of Shamanaya. That's so if they're going to hold on to him until July, which eh, that probably isn't the case, I would assume that something happens. You know, we've talked that we've talked about the fact that there's probably going to be more trades in, in May and June because of the, the lasting effects of the lockout and how teams, you know, there hasn't been a ton of urgency to get things done coming out of the lockout. Not in the way that we thought, right? There wasn't a huge lightning round of a day for free agency, really. Like There was a couple days where there was some big moves that happened consecutively, but nothing that, you know, rivaled that of like the first day of NFL free agency or NBA free agency or whatever. We were kind of expecting a, a blitz of some kind, and that never really came. And same thing with the trade market. The trade market, aside from a couple deals here and there, has been kind of dry. It's it's been weird, but I would assume that that uh, what that means is that this is going to you know these discussions that teams have had are are just going to leak into the regular season, kind of how you know arbitration cases are leaking into the regular season as well, and this is just something that's just gonna have to be handled, you know, as games are being played. It's really interesting. It's gonna be really interesting to see how it all plays out. So. Let's talk about Abraham Toro. How expansive is his role going to be this year? It's kind of a, a little bit of a question mark. How are they going to use him? How much are they going to use him? We're going to be discussing that in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Lockdown Mariners is brought to you by Bet Online. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So Colby, is Abraham Toro going to be the most underrated hitter to hit 270 in 2022 yes <laughs> i mean I, don't, I feel like a lot of people they don't they don't forget about abraham toro uh but they kind of are just like oh yeah you know that's just he's just a guy and it's 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 more than that you know toro is look he was really bad in in september 
Um, but I, I think people forget how good he was, you know, from, you know, even before he became, even before he came to the Mariners. And I mean, you kind of look at what he did last year in half a season worth of at bats. He accumulated a 1.6 B war, and that's also playing out of position. Um, you know, he's playing a lot of second base there at the, uh, at the uh, end of the year. And well, he w- wasn't good there. He, he definitely got better, right? I mean, there's no doubt about that. He was better at the end of the you know, at the end of the year than he was at the beginning at second base, you get him for five years as well. So, I mean, you kind of look at it and you say, okay, look, Toro was pretty bad in September, but he was really good from June until about September one. Um, and yeah, he spent a large portion of that time hitting around two seventy. So uh, I feel like September, the September struggles have really kind of allowed Mariners fans to kind of forget just how how good Toro uh, was for for a long stretch of last season. Uh, he's he's a good hitter. He puts the bat on the ball, right? He doesn't swing out of the zone all that much. He takes walks. Um, he feels like, here. Here's a comp for you. He's a poor man's Louisa Rise. Um, sure. Last year, by the way, from uh, June seventeenth, which is when he was recalled. Uh, after a brief seven game stint in April, June 17th until September 10th uh, with Houston and Seattle, Abraham Toro hit 280, 355, That's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in, in this era where hitting 280 is basically like hitting 310 in the 90s. Like it's, it's really good. So, and Toro continues to look very comfortable at the plate this year. Um, he's hitting, you know, uh, you know, he's been the best hitter in the cactus league for the Mariners, which doesn't mean much, but you just watch his approach and you kind of remember where, where he was before the last three weeks of last year. I mean, 280, 355, 444. That's a really good leadoff hitter. That's a really good number yeah. two. I mean, that, that's a guy who hits at the top of your lineup, not the bottom. And it just kind of feels that this year people are like, oh yeah, Toro, just eh, whatever. And just like, no, no, no. Again, the guy was worth basically was on pace to be worth basically three wins with spending half of his time playing out of position at second base. And by all accounts, he's a pretty good third baseman, above average arm. He's he's better than Seager at third base um, defensively. So, yeah, I, I Abraham Toro might be a two win guy just sitting on your bench uh, and collecting 400 plate appearances, which I think is the goal for this year. Um they said they're going to try and get him some time in left field. That hasn't happened yet, so we'll see if they still want to do that. Um, but yeah, Toro Toro's overlooked on this team, and he's a pretty important bat too. Yeah, and from the glove perspective as well, right? You you mentioned it, good arm, um, you know, good athleticism as we know. And uh, that kind of brings me to my next question here is. Do you get to a point where, you know, and Eugenio Suarez hasn't looked great at third baseman. Uh, I, I, I think we would consider him fringe average right now. Would you DH Suarez and, and put Toro at third on a fairly regular basis? Not yet. Um, just because Suarez, as bad as it was last year, uh, offensively, Still hit 31 home runs, and this team needs power in their lineup. Toro, that's kind of the one thing that's not present in his game. There's not a ton of power. There's some. I mean, don't get me—he's not Billy Hamilton up there, but 
you know, it's it's probably tops out at what, 20 home run power, which is fine. Not great for a third baseman, right? So uh, it, it's I wouldn't do that yet. Uh, you know, talk to me again in May on that side. But I do think that uh, Toro needs to play, uh, you know, third base two, three times uh, a week. Um, he'll probably play second base a little even. Um, and he will DH. Like, I, I think Toro is probably going to average about four starts a week. Um, Suarez probably going to average five. That would be my guess. And the issue with just sticking Suarez at DH, for example, is that, well, now you have to pay, you have to play Winker and Hanniger at the same time. Or you're benching one of them for Kelnick, or you're benching Kelnick, right? Or you're not going to get to Terenz. So I don't think the difference is so vast that, you know, DHing Suarez makes a lot of sense right now. Not, not regularly, at least. It could very soon, mm-hmm. but as of right now, no, I think you just kind of, you know, Suarez gets a couple days off. Toro, maybe Suarez DHs once a week. And that's when you, against the lefty maybe, and, and Toro plays third. And then you, you just bench Winker and Torrens is the DH. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there are different ways you can work this. But as of right now, no, I'm, I'm not interested in, in making Suarez my de facto full-time DH because I need that spot on to use that spot on Winker and Hanniger and, uh, and Torrens, uh, I, I need that DH spot to be relatively open on a nightly basis. So I'm not willing to do that quite yet. It's exciting though, man. Cause like you're getting Toro for full season. You only had him for, you know, the last couple of months of the year last year. And he really helped you. Obviously, you know, we've acknowledged September and how poorly that went for him. But aside from that, he was one of your best players, undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, to have, a, hopefully have a full season of that, that's that's really exciting, especially you know for him too, because he's going to have a better chance to play here than he would have in Houston. Now, considering that they've lost Carlos Correa, <laughs> you know it seems like Houston probably could have used a uh, Abraham Toro on their roster at this point. Yeah, but by the way, real fast on that, like I know you're not uh-huh. trying to to make this point, but. Uh... The Mariners are probably in a position this year where they have to, where they're going to make a similar trade, where they're going to trade a guy who you're like, wow, that guy would have been a nice little player for a couple of years. And you traded him for a, you know, a reliever who might leave at the end of the year. Those type of trades are trades that contenders have to make. And, you know, um, Houston, what they got to the World Series, right? ALCS. Did they get to the World, World Series? Series? Yeah, they lost yeah. to the Braves. Yeah, they lost to Atlanta. Yeah, I, was trying, I couldn't remember who lost to Atlanta. I remember Atlanta won, but yeah, so Kendall Graveman helped them get to the World Series more than Abraham Toro would have. So it's a good trade. You know what I mean? It, it's just, it's one of those things sure, where yeah. like the Mariners are beneficiaries of the Astros position that they were in last year. But what we really want is we want the Mariners to be in the Astros position where they're trading. I, I don't, you know, pick a guy, pick a. Abraham Toro. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it might be Abraham Toro. <laughs> like, maybe the Mariners have to trade Abraham Toro this year and they go get a reliever or, or a starting pitcher. Maybe it's like, I don't, just as an example, maybe it's Toro for, for Sean Manaya, and you're like, ooh, that's that's not great, but if Manaya pitches well and he gets you to the ALCS or whatever, is it worth it? Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So, not, right. not to give Houston credit on anything because screw those guys, but... uh <laughs> yeah, that, that's a trade that Mariners fans are probably going to have to see from the other side 
hopefully this year, but almost certainly by next year. But uh, yeah, for now, yay. Let me ask you this real fast. I, I know we got to run, uh-huh. but I, I want to, on a scale of one to 10 or 2080, if, if you prefer, how uh-huh. shocked would you be if Abraham Toro ran a better slash line this year than Adam Frazier? Mm, 45. Yeah, it's, you know, they're kind of similar players at the plate. So, I mean, and I, I certainly think that Toro has more power. So, I mean, Frazier's got the glove and the and the track record, so he's going to play more. But it wouldn't shock me if, at the, if by the end of the year, Toro and Frazier are either in a, a true timeshare or their roles have swapped, where Frazier's the guy you're trying to, okay, let's see if we can get him in the lineup three or four times. You know what I mean? And, and Toro's the one who's playing six, seven times a week. You know what I mean? I, I, I would not be surprised by that. Yeah. But, uh I'm not, I'm not predicting it. I just wouldn't be surprised by it. I think he's got a pretty high ceiling yep. and floor combination. You know, I feel like Toro's going to hit at least 240 with league average on. Base. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's mm-hmm. who he is at least. Yeah. I think that's kind of a given, right? Like, I don't see him just absolutely bombing this year. Yeah. I doubt it. Like I said, with consistent playing time. Sure. Right. Cause like every time that he struggled at the major league level, he was playing what? Once or twice a week, maybe if that. Yeah. And so, you know, I, you got to think that he's at least going to play three to four times, maybe even five times a week for the Mariners this year. And that could include, you know, subbing in late into games yep. and what have you. But I think we're going to see a lot of him playing a bunch of different roles. We'll see him DH some. We'll see him at second base. We'll see him in third. Um, he'll probably be playing second when, you know, Adam Frazier needs a, a breather and, or he goes into left field. Uh, cause I expect that to happen to, to some degree. Uh, even if Julio makes the, the opening day roster. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're going to see a lot of Abraham Toro. And I think because of that, partly having that consistency, uh, of being on the field, that's going to lead to some, some great success for him uh, and help him get into a rhythm. Which he uh, which he needs. That's he's sorely lacked that up until coming to Seattle. So, um, and we and we saw how that benefited him when he came over. So uh, that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Mariners. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidy Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at lo underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. That's D A N E G N Z L Z, and Colby at C Pat Eleven. That's C P A T one one. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. Now make your second listen of the day locked on MLB where Paul Francis Sullivan and please call him Sully brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues present and past. It's free wherever you get your podcasts, just like us. That is a wrap for our first five show week back. So have yourself a beautiful baseball day, a beautiful baseball weekend. We will see you on Monday. Peace.